Hello and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast. Episode 29. This is Adam coming to you from beautiful, remote, tropical Austin, Texas. And today is going to be the most unstructured show ever because uh, I just wanted to have a show where I just talk shit. And right now I'm catching up on an episode of Con Men, the Con Men podcast. You can find it on YouTube and Rumble and all fine purveyors of podcast. Pretty good episode. Uh, the uh, This episode's titled The History of Bioweapon Labs Part 2, United States Bioweapons Program. Conmen podcast number 18 is myself host Sean and Shondo and Mr. Matt Cooper from the Iconoblast podcast and we discussed this was the second part of a um, podcast about um, bioweapon labs all over the world in different countries and their motivations and how it's affected uh, peoples and militaries and whatnot. And Sean's always there for to just, uh, if you've never watched or listened to Con Men, it's basically Sean discusses uh, conspiracy theories. Some things are conspiracy theories, some things are actual things that took place, but then there's all this other secretive shit surrounding it. And we kind of just, uh, you know conjecture the fuck out of everything and Sean's more of the the official story dude and how the official story and uh, conspiracies contradicting the official story uh, like he just he basically he that he presents that to myself and Coop and Coop is uh well Coop's a history guy and he's also incredibly uh, he's pretty funny, and he's um, and he's a and he's a very good communicator. I, on the other hand, am not a good communicator. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm just there to inject absurdity. I guess that's why they invited me on there because I don't. Uh, pretty much every episode, well, Coop is always there, and I'm always there, so we're co-hosts. And Sean will send these like detailed notes of what the episode is going to be to us a day or two before. And sometimes I read the notes and sometimes I don't. So I just come in just ignorant as fuck. I have no idea what we're going to be talk about, what we're talking about. But I kind of feel it's, I think it's good and bad. I think I'm... I'm better on the spot just reacting to what they're saying. But sometimes I'll inject... Uh, some interesting shit like there was an episode a few up ep- a few episodes ago where th- we were talking about uh what was it? units unit 731 in japan it was essentially a a scientific torture camp uh where medical horrifying medical experiments were um, done on uh 
Chinese and um, Soviet captives. And <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, and where I come into play is I'm the movie guy in the show. I'm movie reference guy because that's how my that's where I lie on the spectrum. So I, I mentioned the film Men Behind the Sun, which is a movie about it's basically Schindler's List, but in a Japanese uh, scientific lab slash prison camp. And that movie's sort of written off as a exploitation film about war crimes, essentially. But it's not. It's it it came out around the time where it was easy to just kind of dismiss it as that. But really it's it's a movie about the actual atrocities that took place in these in these camps, specifically unit seven uh, is it seven thirty one? I think it's seven thirty one. So that was my contribution. But but that's because I read the notes. <laughs> Sean, if you're listening to this, I'll just run a test right now. Sean, if you're listening to this, I want you to mention that I mentioned this. Otherwise, I know you don't listen to my show. I'm pretty sure Sean doesn't listen to my show. Coop definitely doesn't listen to my show. And I think Joel from Iconoblast listens. I think he's the only one of our group who listens to my show. But he's told me that he listens to my show to go to sleep. <laughs> Which is funny because if you know Joel from Iconoblast, he's, he doesn't really sleep. He sleeps like two hours a night and then he's just up all night working. But uh, yeah, so for, for that two hours he sleeps every night, he tunes in to Skeleton Factory to hear my voice. It's like I, I take that as a compliment. What else am I looking at? Oh, yeah, I should probably just plug that show since I'm also on that show. Uh, Con Men Podcast. It's it's on YouTube. It's on Rumble. Yeah, it's on. It's wherever people get podcasts, you can find it. Con Men. Two words. C-O-N-M-E-N. If you're into that sort of thing, if you're into, like, conspiracy theories and people just talking shit having fun if you do you remember fun we have fun on the show so if you want to hear what it sounded like there used to be this thing called fun that people would do and they would do it it would it, fun would be a thing that you do that isn't sleeping and isn't work it's it's something else that doesn't involve work or sleeping and we and, and we would define that as fun that's the word that we would define it as what else hmm i'm looking at my uh numbers for the past couple episodes and they're really bad <laughs> let's see let's go to my analytics let's go through the analytics of the shows uh, let's see the previous shows. Let's see the March eleventh show, Hobo with a Shotgun. That actually, those were pretty good numbers. Pretty good. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening to my Hobo with a Shotgun episode. And I also talked about the anime from uh, late, uh, late 80s, early 90s called Violence Jack. And, um, yeah, hope you guys like that. Uh, if you, I, I'm basically going to just follow the analytics from this point on because it's like you can't ignore shit that people like listening to. And lucky for me, like, all my analytics happen to line up with, like, episodes I'm really stoked about. So, like, obviously I like Hobo with a Shotgun. That's a really fun movie. So I'll do more episodes about shit like that because I love watching shit like that. Mm, let's see. The past three episodes, though. Oh, my God. Underperformed. The review for the movie X, the Ty West film that uh, I don't even know if it's in theaters anymore. But it came out um, in kind of mid to late March. Yeah, I guess people didn't like that episode too much. Actually, it did okay, but it wasn't great. Just like the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like I'm. if I do this long enough, I'll just be... Um, people will just think I'm the... Um, be the like purposefully contradictive movie review guy where I'll just shit on every I'll shit on things that everyone really likes. And um I mean that's not the case cuz I definitely will shit on things if I don't I don't like them but it's like the movie X I wanted to do like an entire episode on it which I did but I thought the movie was going to be a lot better than it was. So it's like, what do you do? Like, do an episode on something else? I was like, well, I did go pay to see the movie, so I guess I can just do a review on it. And, and to be fair to the movie, I do give it its props for all its good stuff is it, that's in it. And there's a lot of good stuff in it, but basically, at the end of the day, I found that the story was really lacking. Like, it had a lot of style, and it's set up, like, the first half of the movie's fantastic, but when it came time for to review to reveal the um, the slasher in the movie. Okay, that's my dog. Fans of the show will know I have a elderly pug with a collapsed trachea, and she doesn't like to have doors closed. So she just came over and opened the door with her flat battering ram like pug face just to cough loudly at me while I'm recording. She's my treasure. <laughs> I'll meet you in the middle, dog. How about I just crack the door open so you just know that I'm in here. And then but yeah, the movie X it was just in terms of uh the killer's motivations, that's uh, basically where I felt that the movie failed the hardest. That episode did pretty average. And then the the episode after that was I reviewed, and I use quote-unquote reviewed because I don't consider myself a movie reviewer. I just talk about movies I like. And if I go see a movie that I was anticipating like I was excited to go see and then 
it sucked. I just decided to also review those two. But I don't watch something I know is going to be terrible. Like, I don't, ugh, I don't have time to do that. And I don't care to do it. That's why I don't review Marvel movies or anything. I'm like, Marvel movies, if I had to guess, maybe 75% of the time, I would probably think the movie's like, okay. And then the other 25%, I would just hate it completely. But that's not enough to do a show on. Like, I just, I can't just sit there and talk about how fucking, what's that, what's dude's name? Uh, Chang-Chi and the Ten Ring, the legend of the Ten Rings, or whatever that movie was called. I watched that, and I was like, eh. <laughs> like, like, I could see why people are really stoked about it, but I, it's just like, it doesn't, uh, it was like, whatever. It's like, I don't care enough to talk about it. Not that I think it's terrible, I just don't care enough to talk about it, so. But yeah, the I did um I did the movie It's Alive. I originally was gonna do the entire It's Alive trilogy. You know, I watched all three movies and and I wrote the show to be about the entire trilogy, but I was like, you know, a lot most people, even people who are into horror movies haven't seen It's Alive. So I'm like, how about instead of just doing a deep dive, I'll just stick have people I will stick people's toes into the water of it's alive. Cause I think it's a pretty good movie. It's ridiculous, but it's, um, could I call it a satire of a movie? Maybe. Cause it does, it does touch on, you know, subjects that people furiously debate about constantly. Things like abortion and, and this, I'll actually just read the actual kind of synopsis for the episode. I said, imagine a horror film that is both pro-choice and pro-life. Not in an annoying or preachy way, but in a gory yet heartfelt way. Something for everyone, wrapped into a low-budget monster movie. And that was 1974's It's Alive. Yeah, and it's a good movie. It's well-acted, and the fact that like everyone in the movie plays it totally straight... Like like take it they everyone takes it very serious and um the the monster is like a rubber monster baby. You know, it's it's funny. It's like that movie Killer Sofa, where I did the episode how many how many episodes ago was that? That was that was back in that was back in February. Yeah, I did an episode where I just asked people um on Instagram, like, hey, recommend me some movies or movie genres you would like to see an episode about. And I ended up doing an episode titled Vagina Monsters, Human Torches, and Killer Recliners. I mean, that was a fun episode because it was like I just kind of let people pick the episodes and everything. And like, there was a movie called Killer Sofa in it that was like I was super bored with the movie. It took me four watches to get through it. Four fucking, four separate times sitting down being like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie until I finally got through it. But the only thing that movie to me really had going for it was, um, was that everyone in the movie played their characters totally straight because 
I mean, the monster in the movie is a fucking lazy boy chair. It's pretty ridiculous. But everyone in the movie played it really, really serious. So, I mean, that, that added quality that just wouldn't have been there if everyone was acting like a fucking goofball. And then, uh, yeah, so that episode, that did, the numbers for that were uh, below average. And then the last episode, five days ago, the episode titled Naked Chicks Riot in Prison and Irish Demons Cleansed by Fire. It's a pretty fucking cool title. (laughs) And for that show, it was, uh, the description was, Join me on a trip into a juvenile detention facility for teenage girls where trashy erotic chaos ensues. Also, we go to Ireland during Samwain or Samhain. If you need to see that phonetically spelled in your mind, for Americans, it's Samhain, like the Danzig group um, post-Misfits. Uh, we go to Ireland during Samhain to fight off ancient body snatchers and cast them into the fire. So, yeah, that episode was on two films. One, You Are Not My Mother, that came out this year. It's basically like a Irish folklore possession movie. It's basically a possession movie, but wrapped around in uh, Irish folklore. But not too, not too deep, because it's... To, the 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 movie takes place in modern time, so they're not getting too heavy on, you know, Celtic lore or anything like that. And then there's Reform School Girls from 1986, and I re- reviewed that because I've been wanting to review that for a while. But uh, the company Vinegar Syndrome came out with a really good Blu-ray for it recently, so I bought that to put into my collection, my ever-growing DVD and Blu-ray collection, and. That movie's great. It's trashy. It's ridiculous and sexy in a John Waters type of way. And that that show massively tanked. <laughs> Not too many people listen to that. And, uh, I mean, that's fine. You know, I don't do this show for money until I eventually do this show for money. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see a future where I'm not trying to monetize this. So, but as of right now, you are listening to a completely free episode. So that's cool. But eventually I'll try to squeeze some money out of my listeners because I do believe that you should be able to directly support people who make content that you like. I think that's important and it's important to those content creators. You know, I wouldn't want like fucking who's a good example, like count Dankula. Like I wouldn't want that dude to, you know, think that he has to be on, I don't know, some fucking network TV. And if he doesn't get onto network TV, he's just like, well, I'm just going to, give up and get a day job it's like no i'm glad that dude is on youtube and has a patreon and is doing that type of shit because you know because then you can go to patreon send him money buy merch and shit and be like yeah dude keep doing what you're doing 
Um, he did a actually uh, speaking of Count Dankula, um, his most recent episode of Absolute Mad Lads he does on a now deceased, rest in peace, uh, pro wrestler named New Jack, and New Jack just passed away uh, recently. I think like a couple years ago, and um, Dark Side of the Ring, which is on Vice, which I still am like, that's the best thing that Vice has done in years. Um, they have a whole episode on New Jack. So if you haven't checked out Count Dankula on YouTube and you haven't checked out Dark Side of the Ring on Vice, like check it out. It's a fucking, both those shows are really fun. Oh, yeah. Also, um, for those of you who did listen to the Hobo with a Shotgun episode, the director of Hobo with a Shotgun also is the director and uh, creator of Dark Side of the Ring. So that's pretty fucking cool. Well, let's see. Um, I was going to make, I was originally going to make this episode like a whole structured, regular Skeleton Factory episode, but. I've been wanting to do more just episodes where I'm just kind of talking shit, just keeping it loose. And I think that's what this, uh, what you're listening to now. So if you're hoping to have a, like a regularly, a regularly scheduled skeleton factory episode, that's not what this is going to be. So I hope you just, uh, bear with me and enjoy the ride. Uh, what did I watch recently? I watched, Oh, let's see, I watched Cannibal the Musical, and Cannibal the Musical, for all of you um, cannibal fans, cannibal movie fans, and musical uh, enthusiasts, was made, uh, let's see, I guess it would be 29 years ago, in 1993, by two students at the University of Colorado at Boulder. In their film department, and Cannibal the Musical's uh, creators were two young men by the name of Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who went on to become the creators of South Park. But this was originally basically like a short film trailer type of thing for a, a show that actually ended up getting some funding and made into a, and made into a movie. So that's very cool. It's very much like the story of Hobo with a Shotgun. That was initially just like a fake movie trailer. And then it got picked up to be made into a uh, actual movie. So, But yeah, Cannibal the Musical is much more low budget. Very, very much done on the cheap. But, And I haven't seen it in years. And it was great. It's I'm not really a musical guy, but... Uh, Campbell the musical is very funny. You can see the sort of fledgling kind of, you can see the seed of what would become South Park. And it's very enjoyable. And whatchamacallit. So basically the Campbell the musical is about this guy named uh, Alfred Packer. And I guess if you're from Colorado, you like, you know who Alfred Packer is. And he was basically this, gold prospector guy i guess he he attempt he confessed to cannibalizing a group of um people that he was out in the wilderness with so they were like traveling through the mountains and 
they were looking for gold. <laughs> and they ended up getting kind of trapped in like a Donner Party type situation. And he was like the only one who made it out of the wilderness alive. And all the other dudes were dead. And uh, I guess he, uh, you know, he had to resort to cannibalism to uh, stay alive. And there was a whole trial and everything. It's like, they did Alfred Packer end up killing these guys? Was it premeditated? Was it, um, did they just die and he ate them? Was it manslaughter? Uh, I believe, like, as after everything was all said and done, Alfred Packer ended up getting, he ended up getting uh, charged with, Voluntary manslaughter and it was eventually imprisoned for it. But and there's there's been movies based on Alfred Packer and what was it the the uh, death metal band Cannibal Corpse, the great and powerful Cannibal Corpse, dedicated uh, their album "Eaten Back to Life" to Alfred Packer. In the memory of Alfred Packer, the first American cannibal. That's <laughs> back in those those early Cannibal Corpse albums. That's funny. Also, and I know I've mentioned this before in a previous episode. Um, I, the well, not this specifically, but I've mentioned this band. The man, the band uh, Macabre or Macabre, however you want to say, it, the the metal band from Chicago and. Let's see, there was a song called In the Mountains that was dedicated. It's basically not really dedicated, but it's a song about uh, Alfred Packer. and It's from the uh, Morbid Campfire Songs album. And I do bring up Macabre in... God, what episode was that? Oh, wow, that was episode two of Skeleton Factory. The episode was titled Jeffrey Dahmer Film and Media. So that's cool. <laughs> so Alfred Packard is, uh, you know, the story of him is fairly, fairly well known. I guess it's, you know, it depends on where you live and everything. But Cannibal the Musical, um, I mean, in terms of historical accuracy is 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 pretty it's pretty solid you know the the i'm not saying that you know but but it's a it's wrapped up in like a goofy fucking musical too so there's the absurdity of south park but with uh enough real life elements you know to where it's like you know it's based on something real kind of like south park like every episode of south park no matter how fucking ridiculous it is it's some type of you know social satire on a real real happenings going on somewhere yeah cannibal musical it's it's great if you haven't seen it it was like it came out in 93 and then it got picked up by uh trauma from lloyd kaufman at you know trauma films you know the people who made like tromeo and juliet and toxic avenger and one of my personal favorites, Combat Shock. But yeah, they got 
it originally it was called Alfred Packer the musical, but Lloyd Kaufman thought that that might people wouldn't know who the fuck Alfred Packard is. So what if we just called it Cannibal the musical, which I think was a pretty good, good call. Pretty good call. I, um, I remember first time I saw uh, Cannibal the musical, a buddy, actually it was a dude I lived with. It was like one of my old roommates. He had a, like a burnt DVD and on it was written Cannibal the musical. And he was like, oh, you got to watch this. It's fucking hilarious. And I was like, oh, cool, man. And then I watched I was like, this is great. I like this a lot. I like how silly it is. And, you know, all these years later, I'm doing a fucking, I'm talking about it on a podcast. It's, you know, I can't believe this, that movie's nearly 30 years old. That's amazing to me. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I recommend Cannibal the Musical. Check it out. If you want to watch something silly and you're not annoyed by people singing and dancing. <laughs> and if you like South Park, but if you, it's, it's definitely one of those movies where it's like, it feels like South Park. If South Park was in real life and not a cartoon. Hmm. What else? I also watched the Eli Roth's The Green Inferno. And I'm a fan of The Green Inferno. I'll just get that out of the way because I know people can't fucking stand Eli Roth movies. And I get where I get where people are coming from, but I would say most of the time those people are wrong. <laughs> I don't know other way, any other way to put it. Um, not not so much that I'm saying that people's opinions are wrong. I'm saying that their how they formulated their opinion is not as informed as they think it is. Okay, so I so if someone subjectively their opinion is like, I don't like Eli Roth. I don't like Cabin Fever. I don't like fucking... What else did he do? He did... Uh, well, let's see. He did Hostel, obviously. You know, if they just think he's an annoying douche and all the movies he makes are dumb, like... I get it. It's not your particular cup of tea. That's cool. But the whole thing with the Green Inferno is, and people are so like, uh, what's the word? Fucking lame. <laughs> uh, and here's why: it's it's sort of like it's it's one thing if you don't like the cannibal movie genre, and I understand why somebody would not like the cannibal movie genre. But that being said, like judging or negatively reviewing Eli Roth's The Green Inferno is being and like negatively reviewing it and bashing it is um because people try to 
compare like what people think is that Eli Roth is trying to make Cannibal Holocaust, and that's sort of like, um, I don't know, a false positive. Like that's like he's not trying to make Cannibal Holocaust. If Eli Roth wanted to make Cannibal Holocaust, he would have just did a remake of Cannibal Holocaust and called it Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, case in point, he remade Death Wish with the recently retired Bruce Willis. And I didn't watch the rem- uh, remake of Death Wish, but uh, now I think I will just, you know, just because everything that happened with Bruce Willis is, is pretty sad, so... You know, I'll go back and watch that. That wasn't that long ago. That was 2018 when that Death Wish remake came out. But the thing with cannibal movies is, like, people who shit on the Green Inferno, like, I get if you didn't like the movie, but also, have you watched a fucking cannibal movie? (laughs) Like, the genre itself is not just cannibal holocaust. You know, like I would put in terms of there's a lot like Cannibal Holocaust definitely has the most, the, the the biggest notorious reputation. But, there, you know, there's a lot better cannibal, oh, you know, cannibal movies out there. You know, like like I would probably like right now if i you know if someone's like do you want to watch cannibal holocaust or cannibal ferox i'd probably say oh i'd rather watch cannibal ferox cuz i i um in terms of a horror movie and scenes of gory extreme violence i think cannibal ferox is better you know um cannibal apocalypse with john saxon i i think is also a superior cannibal film it's got a it's got a better story um than cannibal holocaust you know stuff like that it's you know a lot of cannibal movies are slow they're bad and they they built up a reputation at a time where you couldn't just go to a store and rent anything um there was no streaming services and there was no internet so if you wanted to watch George Eastman and uh, what was it, uh, Anthropophagus, also known as the Grim Reaper, also known by a lot of fucking things, depending on what country you're from, it's like, like there isn't shit going on in Anthropophagus. Like, for all intents and purposes, like Anthropophagus is a, like a bad movie. Um. But there's a couple of scenes that are so, like, extreme and have such a reputation that you, that's all the movie's known for. So there's that. And I don't hate Anthropophagus at all, but I'm like, it is boring as fuck, you know? It's, (laughs) Uh, what else is really, like, like... Well, here's an example. Here's a movie that people in general, especially if you're kind of into horror movies, would know and be like, oh, yeah, I really like that movie. Like Audition. I like Audition. 
But the thing with audition with, that people don't understand is like it's a slow burn of a movie. It's a very slow burn. And you have to really dig deep into the psyche of this dude who's obsessed with this woman and is trying to like get with her under false pretenses. And then the girl that he's trying to hook up with is her past trauma. So it's like this long story before all the shit that fucking audition is known for the like torture scene at the end. Like you got to sit through 95% of the fucking movie before you even get to that point. You know what I mean? And that's just, it's just one of those things where it's like the, the kind of the lore behind a movie is more, you know, it's been sensationalized to where the movie is known as it has a reputation that's sort of incorrect. It's like, like, I don't understand. Like, I know that people think, especially nowadays, and I'm not some fucking alt-right edge lord or anything like that, but it's like people point to the Green Inferno and they think Eli Roth is like, one, they think he's racist. They think he's sexist. And in the movie, it's basically all these kind of phony, uh, I don't know, like, like SJW online keyboard warriors who are like, like fucking activist types are, you know, trying to get behind a cause, like kind of ham handedly get behind a cause, but they don't know anything about the cause that they're backing. And then it ends up fucking, (laughs) it ends up with them getting fucking eaten. You know, it like, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And what's what's wrong with pointing that out in a fucking movie? Like, it's like, yeah, people will get behind a cause, and sometimes the getting behind that cause will cost them their more than their reputation or their job. It'll cost them their fucking life. It's it, like I don't think people could possibly wrap their minds around the idea of an exploitation movie nowadays. Like they want to rewrite the history of the exploitation film. It's like, you know, it's like black exploitation films. It's like, I'm sure it's online. I just don't bother looking up shit like that. Like I, I bet there's a lot of people who are just really, really mad that director Jack Hill, who's white did all these famous fucking black exploitation films. It's like, okay, like, you think Jack Hill is some horrible racist that wants to exploit uh, stereotypes in the black community for money? It's like, that's simplifying things in a way that's, um, I don't know, I think that's dangerous to kind of chalk things up that way. It's like, that's, it's like Eli Roth made an exploitation film. You know what I mean? And I will I will extend an olive branch to people who hate Eli Roth and hate his movies and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that he's like the greatest film director ever or all of his movies are good. Because I don't, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of his movies, but there's a couple I like, you know. And one thing that Eli Roth doesn't do well that I kind of wish that he did is... He doesn't ever have 
specific characters that you can get behind, that you can kind of attach yourself to. And he doesn't have really uh, villains or killers or slashers in his movies that you can really relate to. And let's see, like, like, okay, here's, here's a good example. Like Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie movies. Um, the villains are also the protagonists. So that's, that's cool. <laughs> Kill two burns with one stone. It's like the bad guys are such over the top characters and have their own little quirks and shit that you kind of attach yourself to them. You're like, okay, like these are memorable characters that say, you know, memorable shit. And the story is actually about that character. And Eli Roth doesn't have that in his movies. Like he doesn't have specific characters. You're like, Oh, that's that character from that movie. He doesn't have a Jason Voorhees or a Freddy Krueger or, you know, an Ellen Ripley or, you know, fucking Nancy from a nightmare on Elm street. Like he doesn't have like, strong archetypal characters that you kind of root for. He doesn't have that in his movies. And he also doesn't have a notable slasher in his movies. You know, he doesn't have a fucking bad guy that the good, the good guy or the good woman, the the hero has to overcome this seemingly unbeatable thing. He doesn't really have that. What he has is, he has the genre that of the movie that he's doing. That's it's like he has the genre. So Hostel is like, do you remember the the characters' names of anyone in Hostel? No. Does he have like memorable actors in? I mean, with the exception, I mean, there's a couple of exceptions: Death Wish, which you know, uh, Knock Knock. You know, it's got Keanu Reeves and shit, but it's like, for the most part, his horror films is what I'm talking about. Like, his horror films are like, there's not really memorable actors in it that, you know, it's, there's not even memorable, really, characters in it. You know, it, the movie is all about the genre. It's it's a cannibal film, and it's Eli Roth's fucking love for cannibal films. You know, it's like, he didn't film it in fucking L.A., you know, he didn't film it in Atlanta or in Austin or some shit. Like, he went to Peru and fucking filmed it in the jungle somewhere. And, you know, he did, you know, and the and the cannibals in the movie were actual villagers who lived in this area. Who were very much separated from the rest of the world. But, I mean, they weren't fucking, they weren't cannibal tribes. You know, <laughs> he had to, like, paint them up and give them spears and shit and... And people just have a problem with that, like, like, and people. Don't, some people might not know this. Like, when Eli Roth approached these, in these farmers, these villagers, and was like, "Hey, we'd like to film a movie here." Like, a lot of those people never even seen a movie before. And do you want to take a guess of what the movie he showed those people? He's like, "I want to show you guys what a movie is," and he showed them. Cannibal Holocaust and was like, this is the type of movie I want to make. And apparently all these villagers, these like small, 
you know, mountain people, these small town mountain people and farmers and stuff, they were like, oh, sweet. Let's do it. That sounds fun. They actually thought Cannibal Holocaust was funny. (laughs) This is so crazy. Like, sure. They didn't think it was real. You know, they didn't feel like Eli Roth was exploiting them for anything. And, you know, it's like at the end of the day, cannibal films aren't saying that much. You know, I don't think Eli Roth even considers himself some sort of, you know, a guy who was making powerful social statements of any kind. He was a guy who kind of took people of the time and put them in these genre films where he gets, where they get fucking killed by cannibals or in cabin fever, they get a horrible disease and then everyone slowly starts catching the disease and dying. And like, which I think in, um, yeah, I mean, I watched cabin fever during the pandemic you know, everyone was talking about fucking outbreak and contagion and shit. And I was like, y'all need to watch Cabin Fever. <laughs> that's my pandemic movie. It was lovely. But that's the whole thing is like his movies are about the genre. It's not about making some kind of political statement. It's not about, you know, propping up a a well-known actor you know, it's not about casting a bunch of well-known, famous people and putting them in an Eli Roth movie. It's just he just wants to make the movies that he makes. And, of course, he catches a lot of hate for it. You know, he's not making Marvel movies. You know, you're, not, you're never going to see a Marvel Eli Roth movie. That'd be cool. <laughs> Let's see. Let's let's just let's do some fan fiction right now. Like, what would be awesome? Like, just off the top of my head, if Eli Roth did a Punisher movie, it would probably be uh, decent. You know, I, I mean, if I I would have, I mean, I never, I didn't see his Death Wish movie, so I, but Death Wish is essentially the Punisher, but except it's a normal guy, and the Punisher was like a guy who had all this fucking training. To you know, he was he was basically Rambo, right? He was Rambo mixed with uh, Liam Neeson from Taken, and his family was murdered, and then fucking he just decided to dedicate his life to being a vigilante and killing bad guys. That's the Punisher, and it's pretty blunt and dumb in that way. But at the same time, it's like, do you, you know, and make a hell of an action movie? I don't know how well Eli Roth would direct action. But I don't know if <laughs> if I was uh, at the theater and there was a trailer for Eli Roth's The Punisher, I'd watch that. Yeah, why not? Also, it's I mean, it's no coincidence that um, it's weird because Marvel is really good at taking characters that are not that popular and making them popular through movies. I mean, I read comics as a kid. I read comics as an adult, you know what I mean? So, but I didn't, I wasn't into the, you know, all of the Marvel universe. 
you know, and I know enough to know that like people weren't buying Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy comic books when I was a kid. Like no one read that shit. But Marvel was like, hey, we can make this into a fucking movie. And we can kind of make it whatever we want because they don't have to stay that true to the origin story because people don't know the fucking origin story. People know the origin story to Batman and Superman. People know that. I I just feel like, okay, if, uh, you know, if there could be a Deadpool movie, two Deadpool movies, is there a third? I don't know. I think there's just two. If there could be a two Deadpool movies, there can definitely be a Punisher movie. And, 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 and conspicuous by its absence, there's not very many Punisher movies. There's the Dolph Lundgren one from the 80s, which I think is a – I love that movie. I think it's uh, fantastic. And then there was the uh, – there was the fucking – what was it? There was the one with John Travolta. <laughs> and that movie was kind of dumb. And then they did Punisher Warzone, and I thought that movie was – pretty good it had really like the the cgi effects were pretty fucking rough to be honest but i liked that i liked that punisher world i thought it was kind of cool you know what i mean but it's like no one wants to make that because where do you even fit him in you know he's not like uh the black widow or something where it's like she's she's kind of you know in in terms of just like a character and what the character does she's basically a female punisher except she has this backstory and everything's about her backstory and it's like who cares about the black widow's fucking backstory like it's kind like the backstory is almost like making up for the character you know it's like you don't really need to know the Incredible Hulk's backstory. Like, the Incredible Hulk's just cool when he when he's the Hulk, you know? But, yeah, it's like, where are you going to put the fucking Punisher in this Marvel universe? Where are you going to fit him in? Like, that dude's way too fucking real, you know? It's like, eh. And that's a shame. But, um, what are you going to do? Anyways. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Green Inferno... Um, in terms of a cannibal movie and, oh, okay. My dogs have another coughing fit. Let's wait for it to pass. In terms of a cannibal movie, it checks a lot of really good boxes, you know? And I don't think people who, most people who criticize the green inferno or Eli Roth, like they're, they're kind of going after him. They're not really going after the movie so much. And they're also not taking into account. And this is my final thoughts on this. Okay. They're not taking into account what the cannibal movie genre is. Okay. They're, they're attacking Eli Roth personally. Okay. Like, nobody who criticizes the Green Inferno is ever giving, like, good examples of, like, well, that's not how you make a cannibal movie. Like, you have to make a cannibal movie like a Cannibal Apocalypse or, you know what I mean? Like, they don't give examples of, like, oh, well, this is what a cannibal movie is supposed to be because they can't give a good example because cannibal movies are offensive to modern people. They're not offensive to me because I don't, you know... Whatever, I don't get offended that easily. I get, 
you know, I, I, I get disgusted, <laughs> but I'm not like, you know, yelling at people online or anything like that. It's like cannibal movies are supposed to be offensive. They're supposed to attack your sensibilities. It's like, what else is, what else is it supposed to do? You know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a, a, a complete fucking manic shit show. Like, like it's not, when you try to humanize exploitation films, it's like, it's like you're wasting your time. <laughs> like, like instead of saying like, I didn't like the green Inferno and some people do. Some people give pretty fair reviews of like, it's uh it's very inconsistent in how it's shot and edited. Um, the characters are completely unlikable. They're supposed to be unlikable. Okay. The characters for the most part are annoying, but they set that up so that when they get murdered, you're not like completely freaking out, but, but they make enough, they make enough, uh, you know, likable characters. So when they are killed, you're kind of like, Oh no, they killed that guy. That sucks. You know, I, it's almost like these people have never watched a horror film before. Like Eli Roth knows what he's doing. It's not like, you know, it's not like he's trying to ruin your fucking day. But also he understands that if he ruins your day, like, hey, no one made you watch the movie. <laughs> so, Adam, are you blaming the victim? Yes. I am blaming the victim. If you didn't like the Green Inferno... Like, that's your problem. Because Eli Roth doesn't care if you didn't like it, and I don't care. And if people want to nitpick, you know, the technical uh, deficiencies of the Green Inferno, I totally understand that. I respect that. If you think the acting's bad and the actors are dumb and shit, like, totally respect that. You know, some people, they people like the actors that they like, you know. But uh, just to be like, oh, this this cannibal film, like Eli Roth went all the way into the jungles of Peru just to make a racist film. It's like, uh, that theory looks good on a, I don't know, BuzzFeed, uh, you know, news headline, but it's it doesn't really hold water in reality. It's like he wanted to make a fucking cannibal movie because he likes cannibal films and you don't like cannibal films. You're trying to speak on something that you know nothing about. And that's really the big takeaway here is like, don't speak on shit you don't fucking know anything about. You know, having an opinion's fine. Like, oh, I saw the movie and I don't understand cannibal films. I don't understand why anyone would like a cannibal film and it's kind of dumb and I didn't really enjoy it. Like, I understand that as a review. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But someone who's like watches cannibal movies would watch the green inferno and are is like, okay, uh, based on the cannibal movies that I've seen, I can kind of see where this fits in the hierarchy of cannibal films, you know? And if you don't like, if you've seen a lot of cannibal films and you're still like, I don't fucking like them. I've seen too many and they suck. And it's like, that's, that's fine too. But 
I think it's uh, in all fairness, like looking at the Green Inferno in like in in the uh, like looking at it in context to other cannibal films, like you have to at least give the movie its due. Like it's you have to at least respect it in that way, because that's what the movie is. It's a jungle cannibal film. You know, it's 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 a flimsy story to have an excuse to have gory scenes where people get tortured and eaten by cannibals. Like what, what did, what did you think the movie was going to be about? It was going to have some sort of powerful message about humanity. And like, what, what did you think it was going to be about? You know, fucking relax guy. Relax my guy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, enough about, uh, enough about the green inferno. But yeah, hey, look, I watched two cannibal films. One was a goofy based on a real true life event that was a musical, and the other one was about uh, you know, it was a it was a traditional, it was a love letter to 80s cannibal films. So, I've been um like a, a random uh thing I've been looking at on the internet from time to time when I'm bored is um, geodesic dome houses. And I've also come across this thing. uh, uh, They're basically, they're called like dome houses. And uh, like a dome house is weird because what they do, the way they make it is... Um, it's basically like, imagine a cement igloo or something like that. They basically take a, they basically have an inflatable domed kind of house, right? And they inflate the fucking thing. And then they build a frame inside of this inflatable rounded dome shape, right? And then they reinforce that frame with rebar. And then um, they spray concrete in there. Uh, I think there's actually a thing called Shot Creek, which is basically um, a type of concrete that you can spray into this frame to make the, um, the walls of this dome rigid. And then they go through and then uh, they smooth out the walls. They will let everything dry, and then eventually they'll uh, finish all the exterior things. Like they'll fucking sand that down and make sure all the windows are installed and shit. And what you have is this giant, uh, usually multi-domed house. Like there will be a bunch of domes that are sort of connected together, and it looks trippy. But sort of the idea about it is like just based on its construction. Um, no matter how fucking hot it gets outside, like the inside stays cool. And if it gets really cold outside, it's, it's able to keep the inside really warm and stuff like that. And it's a trip. Like you go in there and the walls are just like these rounded, it's like you're in a dome and shit, but you can get all the, you know, but you have all your modern conveniences, all your amenities, you know, you have your, you know, you have electricity and you have your internet and you have, 
running water. You know, it's just like the inside looks like a regular house, except the fucking walls are rounded. It's it's kind of a step up from a standard geodesic dome. And like pretty much halfway between Austin and Dallas, there's like a whole little community of all these fucking dome houses that I came across and I don't know what that's about. It's like a little dome cult in the middle of the desert. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I can't stop researching um, these fucking crazy houses. I seen one where there's um, I'm actually looking at the video right now. It's this giant place and they use this shit called Hemp Creek. And hempcrete is like concrete, but it's like hemp-based. Understand exactly how it's done. It's basically like one of those kind of sprayed concrete fucking houses where you you know make your you make your uh, rounded frame and then you spray your cement and make the the rounded surface uh, rigid. And then once the, and, but it's a very solid structure. So once it, that's done, then you can install windows and all your electrical shit and the walls and everything like that. And they look fucking cool. They just, they look like something out of fucking Star Trek or something. I have no idea how much any of this shit would fucking cost to build, but like, I don't know, man. I'm just like I'm. I'm at a point now where I'm looking to buy a fucking house, and I'm like, do I want to buy just a house? It'd be be cool to have some like weird looking fucking house that does have some type of architectural advantage over modern day fucking houses. You know, like there's people out in um, there's people out in like Sedona, Arizona that have um houses like that, and they're in the desert and they fucking look cool as shit. These people are probably like weird new age hippie motherfuckers, but I um I don't know. I like I like the construction of these weird dome houses. And it seems like there there would be a lot of advantages to having these types of homes. Like you don't need to replace the roof ever cuz there is no roof. The walls and the roof are the same material and they're designed to be watertight. Not that roofs aren't designed to be watertight, but the problem with roofs is eventually there's they're going to become compromised in a way where you have to replace the entire roof as opposed to if your dome gets some type of um, something structurally is compromised, it would be it, like if you had a standard geodesic dome and you had a leak then since the entire exterior of the house is all, uh, you know, precisely shaped like triangles that are all connected to each other. And they're all essentially just a bunch of panels, like triangle panel panels that create a dome. If something goes wrong with the panel, you replace the panel. You know, you don't have to like tear the entire fucking thing apart in order to fix this one thing. So, like, things like that I really like. I also like the idea of, like, a log cabin house, and I know that there's companies you can buy a prefab, uh, completely prefabricated cabin, like a log cabin, 
and then they'll truck it into wherever you are. And then um, they plop it down on, you know, your predetermined foundation that presumably you have all your water hookups and your electrical shit figured out. But yeah, they just bring in the house. They fucking attach it to the foundation. Boom. You live in a fucking log cabin. I love shit like that. I think it's fucking great. I don't know. It's just so fucking expensive in Austin, man. You know, it's like the, the, the move is to just fucking move way out into the fucking country. Right. It's all you really can do out here. It's because even the even the houses for sale out here, like they're not new. They're all kind of fucked up and old, and you know things are only worth as much as people are willing to pay for them. And out here, people will buy a you know a fucking house that's like made in the early '80s with faulty wiring and a bad roof and shit for a million dollars. And then throw another fucking half a million dollars to, you know, fix the fucking thing. But uh, I don't have that type of fucking money yet. <laughs> but, but even if I did, I would probably still want, like, a big, dumb, geodesic dome fucking house. Oh, I'm looking at one right now. That's fucking sweet. I guess it's an Airbnb. Where Where is this dude at? Turn on a little bit of volume here. Oh, what? This shit's on Lake Travis? And it's an Airbnb. There's this guy named Levi Kelly on YouTube, and he has this this video, this very well-done-looking video. Um, the video is called A Huge Four-Level Geodesic Dome Lake House Full Airbnb Tour. Is this his house? I don't know. That seems like the move, though. Get the fucking house built and then just Airbnb the fuck out of it for a while and then move into it later. But, um, yeah, this is a real fucking Airbnb. Let me look at this shit. Oh, son, this is $840 a night. Ugh, that's like trying to get a fucking Airbnb in Salem during Halloween. But the place is nice as fuck. Wow, it's right on Lake Travis. That's pretty fucking sweet. This is the type of fucking place I would want. This is really nice out on Lake Travis. Fuck. I think this is out in like Joe Rogan's neighborhood or some shit. Wow. The kitchen is fucking sweet. Nice tall ceilings and shit. Bedroom looks nice. Wow. That's fucking cool, dude. Like I said, I'm completely fucking obsessed with uh, this shit. This It's a four-story geodesic dome. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, guys. I'm um, totally obsessed with geodesic domes. And I'll probably bore you with it uh, in the near future as well. Let me see. Let me go through my phone. There's a bunch of shit that I've been wanting to watch lately. As you can imagine, I have, having a show like this, I have, like, a fucking laundry list of movies I'd rather want to try to put on the show or stuff that I haven't watched or haven't watched in a while that I put on a list of, like, shit to watch and see. There was this trailer for this movie called God Told Me To. 
And that movie kind of looks half and half. It's rather like like an interesting kind of indie psychological horror movie or it's just garbage. I can't really tell by the trailer. Um, God told me to. I, yeah, I definitely want to try to check that out this week. And let's see, there was a... Uh, there was a documentary called uh, The Projectionist. It's a, a documentary by Abel Farrar about this dude out in New York who has owned this like indie movie theater forever. And I guess the place is still there. Uh, Abel Farrar is like homies with the guy. And he would put stuff in his theater that no one would put anywhere else. You know, it's like, and I believe he put a bunch of fucking of Abel Farrar stuff in there before Abel Ferrara can get even get it into any theater, you know? And if you're not familiar with Abel Ferrara, he, he directed the, uh, slasher film driller killer. And he did miss 45, which is kind of like, um, it's more of a rape revenge, uh, vigilante type movie. Uh, he did a remake of invasion of the body snatchers. And uh, a bunch of other stuff. He did a couple episodes of Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, actually, the Abel Ferrara episodes of Miami Vice, if you're a fan of the original 80s Don Johnson fucking Miami Vice, and I am I'm a big fan of Miami Vice, is I went through and just watched the uh, Abel Ferrara episodes because I saw an, an interview with Abel Ferrara and he was talking about doing Miami Vice. And those are the most not Miami Vice episodes ever. Like, there's, like, ever, like both Miami Vice episodes, like, you wouldn't even, watching half of the damn show, you would never even know it was Miami Vice. Like, there was one about this cop who is in the Miami Vice, like, kind of, like, squad. So you got, like, Sonny and Tubbs and... uh and then there's all their other people they work with. And one of them is this um, uh, undercover uh, lady, this black lady, who go he she basically does a lot of prostitution stings and busts, like, uh, you know, John's trying to, you know, solicit prostitution and shit. But she's dating this musician guy, and the musician guy's... Like, one of his friends is this dude who's, like, a drug dealer. And uh, am I remembering this right? The guy who's a drug dealer was actually... Okay, so the guy who's Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, the fucking... The main drug dealer guy, the guy who's the manager of Los Pollos Hermanos, that guy, he's a drug dealer in this in episode of Miami Vice. So I'd like to think it's a, it's like a Gus Fring origin story. But uh yeah, so lady lady undercover cops boyfriend is friends with uh I'm just going to call him Gus Fring. It's friend, friends with Gus Fring and Gus, and Gus Fring's like a coke dealer and shit. And it's a sort of like point of contention of like why do you hang out with these like drug dealers and he's like, "Hey man, I can I can't I don't control what my friends do. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I'm not a drug dealer, but you know, but I know people who are like, what, what do you want me to do? You know, it's not like I'm doing anything illegal. It's not illegal to be friends with somebody who's doing illegal shit that you don't know about, you know, basically. And that's sort of the whole episode. 
it's about this couple and their kind of uh, this relationship that uh, kind of falls apart because this lady cop, you know, just was trying to have a. Re- it's basically an episode of like cops and their um, them their private romantic lives. You know what I mean? It's you know, and that's the thing is like Sonny and Tubbs, like they're they're not happily married dudes with families at home. Like they're, you know, they're they are consumed by work, and they don't have time to be fathers and husbands in any you know, in really in any way. It's but they have time to bust bad guys. So it's kind of like the movie Heat. It's like Al Pacino's character, where it's like. He's like what three times married, and he's not the most attentive husband. He's not much of a father and stuff, but he's like the super cop on the streets, busting bad guys, sort of thing. So, yeah, the Abel Ferrara, <laughs> the Abel Ferrara episodes of Miami Vice are great because they have nothing to do with like Miami Vice. <laughs> like they barely have anything to do with Miami Vice. Um, but yeah, the projectionist. Um, I definitely want to check that out because I am a fan of Abel Ferrara's work. This, I know this dude who, um, he's like on the board of like South by Southwest's or was it Austin Film Society's board of whatever. Uh, I know he's like connected to like the film industry in Austin, like the, you know, whatever. And he was telling me um, during uh, South by Southwest, he went and saw, there was a movie called Bitch Ass. (laughs) I know there's another movie called Bitch Ass, but there's a new movie called Bitch Ass. And he's like, it's basically like, he's like, like we were talking about, how come there's not more horror movies like, in the hood, in like, like the projects, you know, like there's Candyman, and Candyman's great. That was part of Candyman's appeal that it, it was different, you know. It didn't take place in like some little suburb, or it didn't take place at a summer camp filled with mostly white kids and shit. It like took place in like a fucking horrible project, you know. It's like why can't the projects be haunted and <laughs> you know tormented by a a demon who can you know, the male equivalent of Bloody Mary who can come and get you, you know, if you invoke his name, you know, it's like Candyman's great like that. So he told me that bitch ass is basically a, like, it's kind of in, it's a, it like, it's like a, in the fucking hood horror movie. I don't know if it's supposed to be like Candyman where he's like some type of evil demon that can be summoned or if it's more of a slasher film, I'm not sure, but he said, I need to find that and, and watch it. Um, there was a new one, a new one that he saw called the seller. And I have no idea what that's about, but, uh, it's also a horror film. Mm, God, there's so much shit on my list. I know, um, whatchamacallit, director, uh, Len Kabazinski. And Len Kabazinski is a, uh, he's like, he's a, he's a movie director and he does like low budget kind of action 
kind of kind of horror movies, basically. Like, what's a good action horror? Like, a, like Blade. Like, like movies that are, I guess, to appeal to people who like Blade. Like, they like action. They like martial arts, swords, gunplay, shit like that. But also like stuff like werewolves and zombies and shit like that. And uh, anyone who's been like, if you're a fan of uh, Red Letter Media, there's a couple episodes with Len Kabazinski on it. They like they have episodes on like ninja movies and shit like that. But he makes these kind of like low budget fucking films, you know, that are entertaining, but they're they're low budget. <laughs> they're low budget and they're kind of corny and shit. But he's been working on one called Pact of Vengeance, and. Um, I don't know when it's, I don't know when that, I don't know if that's actually out yet, but he's been working on it for a while and it, it stars, uh, John Mickle Thor from the band Thor. If, if you're familiar with the band Thor, <laughs> there's actually a good Thor documentary. Um, but yeah, John Mickle Thor, he was like this big jacked dude, um, and he would do, like, feats of strength and shit on stage. But he had all these fucking... He did a shitload of metal albums. So it was, like, it's like 80s heavy metal type shit. And, um... Let's see. And... What was it? He was in, um... God. What movie was it? What was that fucking... Was it Nightmare or something? Yeah, I think it was called Rock and Roll Nightmare. So, like, Rock and Roll Nightmare... Which is kind of a, it's kind of a bad movie, but uh, if you've seen that movie, he's in that. He's, uh, you know, the big jack dude who looks like Thor. Um, let's see. Who else is in it? Well, Len Kabazinski's also in it. And uh, and Leo Fong is in it. Leo Fong was in a, um, I don't know, he's a lesser known San Francisco Bay Area filmmaker from back of the day um let's see he had he had low blow which i think he's probably most known for uh for low blow he also had um uh, blood street like hawkeye shit like that basically yeah he he made all these like you know kind of hilariously bad uh 80s action films He's in Pact of Vengeance as well. So I've been meaning to watch Pact of Vengeance, but I need to double check when the hell that's even coming out. I don't even know if that's even out yet. I don't know. That's pretty much all I got, guys. <laughs> I got to get going. I got shit to do. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, also I'd like to do a listener, uh, uh, an episode where the listeners uh, like, pick the movies do an episode of just movie picks from the listeners so you know um send in your recommendations to me on instagram at skeleton underscore factory and you can follow me there but yeah if you have any recommendations uh, it can just be genres you want me to do i don't know like asian action films or you want me to do something very specific like like oh adam i want you to uh, do i'm gonna get you sucker or 
fucking boiling point or something, <laughs> whatever. Uh, just send me your recommendations and I'll go through them and I'll, um, I'll do a whole episode on it. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks again for listening. Uh, again, you can follow me on, uh, on Instagram at skeleton underscore factory. This is Adam as always attempting to rescue your movie night one movie at a time. Check you all in the next one. Bye-bye.